Would you turn with me please this evening to scripture we've been looking at on these Friday night services, 2 Corinthians 4 and Hebrews chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 4, Hebrews chapter 10, we've been talking about the spirit of faith. Amen. Amen. The spirit of faith. Let's just read and then we'll pray and I'll review like I do. (laughs) Which means extensively sometimes. But there's a reason for that. I could do differently if I wanted to or was so led. But you know the word of God has a pounding effect on your spirit. And if you just keep receiving the word, receiving the word, it will displace unbelief and fear out of you. Amen. I mean, you you know, let's say you got, you drank some milk in a glass and you got that much milk in the bottom of it. You can put that glass in the bottom of the sink, kitchen sink, just turn the water on, let water run in it. Well, when it first runs in, you got a mixture of milk and water. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, if you just keep letting it run, after a little bit, it's not much milk and mostly water. What if you just keep letting it run? After a little bit, there's hardly any milk left. There's just pretty much water. If you just keep letting it run and run and run, then there ain't no more milk left. It's just water. The scripture talks about the washing of the water of the word. Amen. Amen. And if you just receive the word and receive the word and receive the word, maybe when you first start receiving it, you got some unbelief in there and you got some fear and you got some confusion, but just keep letting her come. Just keep pouring in the word. Amen. Amen. Receiving and hearing the word. And after a while, it will completely displace And push out all that fear and all that unbelief. And you'll just be full of faith. And that's when you get results. In 2 Corinthians the 4th chapter. And the 13th verse. 2 Corinthians 4. 13. Says we having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. We have the same spirit of faith that was in Moses. That was in Daniel. That was in David when he faced Goliath so fearlessly. Same spirit of faith that was in uh, the apostles in the book of Acts. Same spirit of faith that was in Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Same spirit of faith. Well, we ought to be victorious. If we've got that same spirit of faith in us, we ought to be overcomers. More than conquerors. And what is the victory that overcomes the world? Even my faith. Our faith. My faith. Go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. How many faith people do I have in here? Faith is not a movement. 
Faith is not a group. Hmm? I've heard people talk about, well, you know, there was the this move and there was the that move and there was the faith move and now the faith move's about over. I hope not. Because <laughs> if it is, then the receiving move is about over. The miracle and healing move's about over. The prosperity move is over. The pleasing God move is over. Now, faith is, is not a move. The just live by faith. That's every day. That's all your life. Walk by faith every day. All your life. Amen. Hebrews 10. Verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence. Confidence is a faith word. If you're in faith you have confidence. About how this thing's going to turn out. How many are confident that you are saved? Huh? What if you died tonight? Are you confident? Are you wondering about it? I hope so. Some people got the idea that, you know, when you get to heaven, get to the pearly gates, you'll meet Peter there. And he'll have the balances there and they'll have them and they have weighed your good works versus your bad works. And if you had enough good to outweigh the bad, he'll say, well, good deal. You're, come on in, you know. But if it was more bad than good, sorry, you get turned away. All that's unscriptural. It's not based on what you did and didn't do. You'll be rewarded for good works. But your salvation is not determined by your good works. In fact, all the good works we could ever do wasn't enough to save ourselves. But Jesus did the work and paid the price and we believe on him and receive the free gift. And in this, we're to be confident. I'm resting in the finished work of the master. Amen. What he has done is enough and more than enough to save me. I don't have to add to it. I'm not trying to complete and, and my salvation in my works. No, I serve him and work because I love him. Because I want to. Because I want to obey him. But I'm not trying to earn my salvation. That's been bought and paid for. I am saved. In this I am confident. How about you? I mean, if something happened to me before the day is over, I know exactly what's going to happen. Amen. I'll slip out of my body and I'll go to be with Jesus and I'll check out my new mansion. And I'll see all my loved ones that are there. Talk to the loved ones I didn't even know I had. Family that I wasn't even aware of. And I get to talk to Daniel and Moses and Abraham. And Amen. We're not afraid to die. And we're not afraid to live either. Some people are in a hurry for the Lord to come back. They say, Lord, come quickly, please. Please, I owe money. Come today. <laughs> They're afraid. People are, some people, they just want out. They're afraid to live. No, you got to have courage and confidence to die and then confidence to live too. You know, some people, um, a lot of people, Christians, give up and die early. Do you understand there's a lot of Christians have died prematurely they went home early before they should have 
Now that's not my uh, message tonight, but that, that I, as far as I know. But uh, <laughs> if you study the scriptures on the subject, you'll find there are numerous verses that uh, in Proverbs and Hebrews and other Psalms and other places that talk about things that you can do that will add years to your life. Things that you can do that will cut off your life and shorten your life. The psalmist, what is it, Psalm 55 or long in there somewhere? He said, the evil and wicked, bloody, deceitful men shall not live out half their days. And so there are a lot of people who are cut off. And there are a lot of people who just get tired. I used to minister in a healing school every day. And people that were attacked with sickness and disease. And I know as good as I know my name, I've seen people both there and in other places that died that could have lived. And should have lived. And should have spent more years on the earth and done more things. But they got weary in fighting the good fight. And it's tough when you're hurting. You can get to the place where you're just tired of hurting. And it's easier to go on to be with Jesus than it is to stay and stick it out and fight. But we need to realize that even staying here full term is just nothing. It's a vapor. It's here. It's gone. We should not be afraid to stay our full length here below. And dying at 55 is nowhere close. Did you hear me? And yet a lot of people are. They're, they're, They're going. But you can stay and fight. Everybody say stay and fight. And finish it up. Amen. Now, I've got loved ones of mine that went home early, and, um, you know, I don't hold it against them. I wasn't in their place. I, You know, it's easy to say what you would do, but, you know, in being in the situation. But I've also been able to help other people stay. I know years ago, this is actually the first, uh, some of the first ministry I ever did before I went to Bible school, before I knew very much about the Word, I believed in healing. And I got the understanding that you could, by faith, you could receive your healing and stand against sickness. I didn't know much, but I knew a little bit of that. And a lady in our church, her her name was Sister Luna Kay. And uh, she was a mother in the church. Anybody know what I mean by that? A uh, woman greatly loved of God, a real pillar in the church, great prayer, full of the word, People enjoyed her testimony about as much as hearing the pastor preach. I mean, she uh, uh, she was anointed. She'd get up and start telling about the goodness of God, and the anointing would come on her. She's anointed and uh, full of the word. Well, she was diagnosed with cancer and uh, just went from bad to worse. And eventually, she's just bedfast in the hospital. And my where I worked was only about oh, just three or four miles from the hospital where she was at. Well, I got her on my heart and began to pray for her. And so I'd go by every day after work and see her, visit her. And she knew me. Of course, I was just uh, like, you know, like one of her kids almost, uh, just be growing up in the church and around there. And, uh, you know, she talked to me like a kid or a grandkid. And that was kind of a challenge because she wasn't taking me seriously enough at first. And uh, eventually, I, this is how I learned some of the things I, I, I know now. I'd share some of the word with her about healing, and it just didn't seem to connect. It was good, but she didn't get it for some way or another. I tried to tell her she was redeemed from the curse of the law, and it just kind of went right over her head. She's like, well, honey, just whatever the Lord's will is, you know. And I I couldn't get her to agree with me that God wanted her to be healed. 
Until. Day after day I just kept going. Everybody say don't quit. See, just stay after it. You know, this particular thing didn't work. Well, say, Lord, show me what does work. Show me what they'll hook up with. And I talked about, you know, by his stripes we were healed. Somewhere or another, that didn't do anything for her. She just said, well, now, honey, we just have to submit to the will of God. And she was believing that maybe this cancer was the will of God. Well, if you believe in that, you're not going to be healed. Impossible for you to have faith to be healed. And you're thinking it might be God's will for you to have the cancer. Cannot, impossible to have faith like that. So, uh, we, uh, I just kept visiting. Every day after work, I'd get off work, go to the hospital, sit by our bedside, read her some scripture. We'd talk about some things and praise God eventually. Of course, she's in bad shape, you understand. Tubes everywhere. Uh, you know, she'd go to sleep on me part of the time. But, uh, one day, I got to Psalm 91. And in the last, you know what, it's the 16th verse or so. It said, with long life, I'll satisfy them, show them my salvation. And I started talking to her about living a long time. And then I started talking about, you know, finishing all you're supposed to do on the earth. And I said, Sister Luna Kay, I said, uh, I said, would you like to get back in the church and be able to attend and be in the services? She said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, well, you know, we need you. Us young folk, we're barely getting started here. And, and of course, I was especially at that time. We're talking 25 years ago, you know. And uh, I said, uh, you know, you've been walking with God for, what, 65, 70 years here? And, and just about time you've learned some things about God, you're going to leave before you share it with us? She looked at me. She thought. I said, we need you to stay a while. Amen. She said, you do? I said, do you feel like that you've done everything you're supposed to do? you think there's some other things you could do and help the church and the community? She said, well, I do have a couple of things I'd like to do. Amen. And, I, and, and I saw it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm getting some, some response here now. So when you see that, well, then what do you do? Jump on it with all four. I mean, then, then I read it again. I said, yeah, let's read it again. Psalm 91, with long life, he'll satisfy me. I said, are you satisfied? Are you really completely satisfied that you've done everything in this life? And you can say, yep, I'm through. I've done everything the Lord's called me to do and, and dealt with me about doing. I know I'm totally through. She said, well, no, I don't know. I may, I, there's some other thing. I said, we need you in the church. I said, you're a pillar in there. We miss you when you're not there. And us young folks need to know what you know about walking with God. Well, she, she sparked up. She raised herself up in the bed. She said, it does say that. I said, yeah. (laughs) It says it right here. Oh, man, I'm on it now. I picked it up. I said, it's right here. I said, where's your Bible at? She said, let me read it out of your Bible. I read it out. It just reads the same. With long life, he will satisfy. Are you satisfied? She said, well, not quite. I said, well, then we got to get out of here then. And, And finish this up. And get satisfied. You know the Lord's my witness. Phyllis knows it too. I mean it was just a matter of days. She was out of the hospital. Went back home. Matter of another couple of days. She's standing up in the church. 
Testifying. Testifying. Glory to nothing short of a miracle. She's saying, I don't feel like I'm quite through. And I said, no, you're not. You're not through. Just got better and stronger. And she went, I don't know how long she go that way. A couple of years or something or longer. And then next thing I knew, I heard she's back in the hospital. And I went up there. It's just totally a miracle. The doctors were just shaking their head. But now she's, she's back in the hospital. I went back and, uh, and talked to her. She said, well, now, honey, you know, uh, we just want the Lord's will to be done. See, she never really got that out of her. And so it was an open door for the problem to come back. But, you know, with the same verse, <laughs> I just went right straight to it this time. I said, well, now, I said, now, Sister Luna Kay, we talked about this last time. I said, do you feel like you're completely through? You've done everything you need to do and you're satisfied? She said, well, pretty much. I said, well, now, you're not that old. She she was in her late 70s at that time. I said, you're not that old. I said, "Uh, we could sure use you around the church a while longer. I said, you know, I don't think you've shared. I know you ain't shared with me everything you know about God. Are you sure you're satisfied? Well, (laughs) and within a week's time. She was back out of the hospital. They thought, sure, she's dead that time. And back within another week, she's back up in the church, standing up, giving her testimony, and lived for, I don't know, two, several years. I don't know, five, six, seven years. And we left at that point. We were going in Bible school and that kind of thing. But I've seen it. See, people have a lot to do with how and when they die. A lot more than other folk think for. You, you can leave early. Or you can stay and fight and finish what you're supposed to do. Amen. Now, you know, people that, that leave early, there's a few I know of right now. And I know they just quit. They gave up and they quit and they died. I love them. They're one of my best friends. They're in heaven right now. But when I get to heaven, we're going to shout and we're going to enjoy each other's mansion. But when I'm sitting out on their porch at some point, I'm going to look at them and say, hey. What's the idea of leaving early like you did? We had enough to do without taking on your job too. <laughs> you can stay and fight. And I don't know how come me to say all that, but I did. Are you back in Hebrews? Ten? Hadn't even got to my reviewing yet. Verse 38. The just shall live how? By faith. And if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Don't draw back. Don't draw in. Don't quit. Don't cast your confidence away. Step out. Push on. Push forward. Stay with it. We are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And he goes on into talking about faith. What faith is. How faith operates. How faith talks, acts, responds, receives, resists. And he gives us the the definition of faith in verse 1, but don't stop there. He gives us living example after example after example of what that means. How it's lived out and walked out. Now faith 
is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We said if it's faith, if you're in faith about it, it's not seen and it's not yet. You're not experiencing it yet. You don't feel it. You don't see it and hear it and touch it yet. And it, you know, not yet, not seen. People say it all the time. I heard it on a commercial the other day. Seeing is believing. Nothing could be further from the truth. Seeing is not believing. Seeing's got nothing to do with believing. If you're seeing it, you're not believing it. You're seeing it. People say, well, you know, when I see it, I'll believe it. Be too late to believe it. You can only believe it when you don't see it. Now, if you don't understand that, don't throw that away. Stay on it till you get it because it's a key to your understanding. If you you know something about faith, then you understand what I'm talking about. If you don't, you think, well, I actually heard people say this. How can I believe something that that I can't see and feel? That's the only way you could believe it. It's when you don't see it and feel it. When you look and feel healed, you're not believing you're healed. You believe you're healed while you still look sick and feel sick. You're not believing the bill's paid when the money's in the bank and you've wrote the check. No, you're believing when there's no money there and you don't know where it could come from. But you're saying, I call that bill paid. I believe I received money to pay all the bills. Believing is what you do when you don't feel it. When you don't see it, it hasn't happened in this physical realm yet. He goes on giving us examples. By it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. Friday by Friday, we've taken these individual verses and individual examples, and we've talked about what faith is. Faith obtains the good report. Faith is how you please God. Faith-filled words frame your world and create. You can change and shape your future with faith-filled words. And Enoch walked with God by faith, pleased God by faith. Noah Prepared by faith. We said faith is a preparer. Faith gets ready. Verse 8. Abram, Abraham obeyed God and went out. Faith obeys God. Verse 10. He looked for a city. Faith looks for the fulfillment of God's word. How many looking for some chunks? Are you expecting them? Looking for them. We talked about, you know, how the, the prophet told his servant, you know, go out there and look. Expecting rain. He said, I don't see anything. He said, go look again. He said, well, I don't see anything. Go look again. Well, I don't see anything. Go look again. Seven times. Finally, he said, well, I see a little bitty cloud like a man's hand. He said, well, you better hurry up and tell the king to go if we don't get rained out. And I mean, the rain came in a deluge. But he kept looking. And when you're looking for something in faith, don't let any negative reports or anybody discourage you. Just keep looking for the fulfillment of that thing he told you in spite of the circumstances. Yeah. Last Friday, we, we looked at this. Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Faith is a receiver. Faith is a conceiver. It conceives 
from the word. You receive healing inside. You receive the answer inside first. Then it shows up on the outside. And Sarah judged God faithful. Faith judges God. People are judging God all the time. Many are judging him unfaithful with just such phrases as, well, you never know what God's going to do. What if you said that about me? Well, you never know what Keith's going to do. Well, he told me he was going to pay that bill for me. Well, you just never know. You never know what Keith's going to do. What did you just get through saying? You just said you judged me unfaithful. Right? If my word is good and I told you I was going to do something and you judge me faithful, then you'd say, well, I'll tell you what, if Keith told you to do it, then it'll happen. Did you honored me, didn't you? Well, what about the Lord? If he told you he's going to do something in his word, you don't say, well, you never know what the Lord's going to do. No, if he told you he's going to do something, count him faithful. If he said believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, what do you do? Well, you just never know. You just judged him unfaithful, unreliable, undependable. No, say he said we'll recover. So that's what we're believing. Amen. He said he'd supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. He said if I give, it'll be given to me. So I'm counting him faithful and that has to happen. Now keep reading. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude. And the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises. But they saw them afar off. And were persuaded of them. And embraced them. And confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Let's pray before we start talking about this verse right here. Father, thank you for your your word and your Holy Spirit who is our teacher and our helper and our guide. Thank you for giving everybody. We ask for everybody ears to hear and eyes to see. Show us, teach us about faith from these verses. And cause that... Uh, the awareness and understanding and operation of faith in our own life attained to a higher place and a higher level. In Jesus' name, amen. They didn't, they, they didn't live in the fulfillment of the promise of the new birth and of the establishment of the, uh, of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. They died expecting these things to come. But notice the principle of faith. They did what? Number one, they were persuaded of them. Number two, they did what? They embraced. I'm reading in verse 13. They embraced them. And number three, they did what? They confessed them. Whole lot of understanding about faith right here. Number one, they did what? They were persuaded. Then what they do? Embraced it. Another way of saying that is they received it. And then number three, they did what? 
confessed. Sounds like our text, doesn't it? We've got the same spirit of faith. We believe, so we speak. Well, in believing, we were persuaded. Go with me to uh, the book of Acts, please. Acts 26. How many faith men and women do I have in the room here? You're a faith man. Not ashamed of it. Don't care who knows. Sometimes I've had people say, well, you're one of them faith preachers. I said, thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) They thought it was an insult. It's a wonderful compliment. They just got through saying, you're one of them preachers that preaches victory and receiving and pleasing God and overcoming. Amen. In this 26th chapter of Acts is the situation where Paul stood before King Agrippa and gave his testimony. And, you know, the Lord told him back when he was saved on the road to Damascus that this would happen, that he would stand and bear witness in his name before kings. Right? Now, he didn't know it would be in handcuffs. <laughs> it's amazing how the Lord can leave out little details like that. But, he's, but he said it's going to happen. <laughs> well, you know, really, one side of it is uh, the Roman government is financing his travel. Right? And he is standing before a king here on this day, as a prisoner though. And he, with power, gave his testimony, and no doubt, the convicting power of the Holy Ghost fell in this bunch that was full of pomp and circumstance. And, and they said, you know, they, they came in as big shots and hymns down there in the rags and they're sitting up there in their big robe before it's over with. They're feeling like the small ones Amen. and feeling very small against the anointing and the presence of God. And notice that uh, in verse 26, he in the first part of the chapter, he spoke to King Agrippa. And then he on another occasion, he spoke to Festus here. And all of them were there together. Same occasion, two different nobles and their wives. And he said here, uh, verse 26, the king knows of these things. Now, he, he, he's preaching. And he starts talking directly to the king. He knows the convicting power of God's on him. He says, before whom I speak freely. For I am what? Was Paul persuaded? You can tell people are persuaded or not, can't you? You know, um, uh, one of the things that was said about Jesus' ministry, when the people heard him, they marveled and they said, he doesn't speak like the scribes. Well, what was different? About the way he spoke. Well the scribes would get out 12 different scrolls. And tell you about what Rabbi so and so thinks. And about what Dr. So and so's commentary is. And about what so and so is. I know a friend of mine. Years ago I was going to Bible school. And he was actually working on a, a much higher degree. Than, than I was. And uh, he was getting his doctorate. And, and I was interested because I hadn't done that. And, and I thought, well, you know, what about such and such? We're talking about something in the book of Romans. And um, come to find out, they had read every other book except Romans. And um, 
I said, well, I said, uh, what do you believe about this certain thing here? He said, well, famous doctor so-and-so in his book such-and-such gives this theory in this position, and he told me about 10 minutes about it. And he said, but now, other doctor so-and-so in his famous work presents this position, which was completely opposite of what he just got through saying. And he gave me about four or five different doctor so-and-sos. And I said, well, okay, all right. I said, what do you believe? He said, well, I can see some merit in Dr. So-and-so's position, but I can also see some merit. And he went on through the whole thing. And I thought to myself, brother, I hope you don't have to stand on this anytime soon because you are not persuaded about it at all. And theories won't cut it. How many know in the wilderness, Jesus did not stand up and resist the enemy and say, Rabbi so-and-so thinks. (laughs) Such and such church feels like this about, nah, what did he say? It is written. He's not thinking so. He knows so. He's persuaded. You show me a person of faith, I'll show you somebody that's persuaded about something. We don't know everything, but there ought to be some things that you know enough about that you're not wish-washy and wavery on it. There's not four or five different ways you're thinking about it. You're persuaded. Paul said, you know, I'm persuaded about this. And he's in verse 27, he puts him to the question. He said, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Didn't even wait for an answer. I know you do. He's operating in some revelation here too. See, he's, this is word of knowledge. He knows some things that are going on inside this man while he's preaching to him. He said, I know you believe. And Agrippa spoke up. He said, Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all that hear me this day, the whole bunch of you up there, would both almost and go ahead and all together be persuaded and be just like me. Except for these handcuffs. (laughs) That's slick. He worked that in real. In fact, it was so powerful that they went away and talked about setting him free. That's how powerful this was. And then one of them said, well, you know, we could have set this guy free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. But anyway, almost persuaded. How good is that? (laughs) That's about like being not persuaded. Right? Almost. I was almost persuaded to do that. What does that mean? You didn't do it. I was almost persuaded to give that in the offering. Man, I came this close. (laughs) That means no money was there. Right? I was almost persuaded to pick up the phone, call them, pray for them. That means you didn't. Right? That's not, that's no good. But go to Romans 4. And you scriptorians know where I'm going. Here we have, we were reading, you know, in, um, Hebrews 11, we read about Abraham. We read about Sarah. Sarah received strength and conceived seed when she was past age. Brought forth a child. Abraham fathered a child when he was 99 years old. 
supernatural, miraculous. And here it describes how it happened in Romans 4. Romans 4 verse 16. It is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law. But to that also which is of the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all. He's a faith father. As it is written. I have made you. A father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. God called him, changed his name, and called him a father of many nations when he had not fathered one child. And did Abraham accept that and change his name and accept that new name and begin to call himself a father of many nations? And did he tell all his help? No, this is what you call me now. And since he's the man in charge, they all complied. And he said it before there was any evidence of it. Can you call yourself rich when you, you know, everything looks like you're so broke, it's terrible. Can you call yourself healed when you got symptom and pain and the report says something else? That's what faith is all about. Can you call yourself victorious when you feel anything but? Can you call yourself the righteousness of God in Christ when you feel like a sorry sinner? That's what faith is all about. Amen. And Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. The word hope means expectancy, expectation. There was no reason for him and for Sarah to expect to to be parents. But he believed anyway. He expected anyway. Amen. Glory to God. I mean, we had this testimony about these these folks that just today money came in and spared them from losing some stuff. They could have quit expecting last night. They could have quit the night before. They could have quit last week. And even when it looks like there's no reason to expect to live, the doctor says I have to die. Believe on anyhow. Expect anyway. Well, where's the money going to come from? I don't know. even know anybody I, I could get that much money from. You don't have to know anybody except the source. He knows somebody. He'll deal with the right people. The right things will happen. But you've got to expect when there's no reason to expect. Except the greatest reason. He believed on in hope. And what did he do? Verse 19, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead when he's about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't talk about the problem. He didn't talk about how old they were. Now this is so important, friends. You, you cannot talk the problem and talk faith. If you're talking the problem, you're not talking faith. If you're talking faith, you're not talking the problem. You can get down and pray a great prayer and get up late, uh, two hours later and completely undo it with your mouth by talking about the problem. If you're going to get in faith and stay in faith, you must stop talking the problem. If you believe in calling yourself healed, you got to quit talking about the sickness. Got to quit talking about how you feel. Got to quit talking about the symptoms. 
And sometimes they can be alarming. And sometimes they can be demanding. They can be in your face. They can be pulling on you. But you've got to make a decision. If I want to live, if I want to be healed, I cannot dwell on this. I can't talk this, how bad this is and how bad I feel. And let me warn you about this. I worked in healing school for, what, 16 years, every day, Monday through Friday. And you cannot use a sickness and receive your healing from it. I saw numerous cases where people were getting extra attention because of the problem. And they were using it. Did you hear me? They were using it. And then they turn around, we'll pray for me to be healed. Well, that doesn't work. This sickness is either your friend or it's your enemy. You can't say, well, you know, and this starts too uh, early on. I mean, it starts with three-year-olds. Got a little fever, got a runny nose. You can stay home, don't go to school. Mama fixes you your favorite soup and comes and holds your head in her lap and reads you a story. Well, this sickness ain't so bad. And I mean adults, how many millions of adults across the country use sickness to get a day off or an afternoon off or just tired of fooling something with something at work, don't want to fool with it anymore and say, well, you know, I'm sick, I'm going to go home. And if you do that, you have just thrown both doors open to the enemy and you have invited sickness into your life or you've invited it to stay. And if you feel like your husband or your wife is paying you extra attention because you're sick and you kind of like that extra attention and you know, uh, you're kind of, you kind of let them know when the symptoms are worse so that they give you the extra attention and you use the symptoms to get out of doing this or to get out of doing that, you're not going to be healed. This is, the sickness is your friend. You and the sickness are buddies. You're using it. So it's going to stay with you. You have to decide. This is an enemy of my body. And of my life. I despise it. I will make no room for it in my life. I resist it. Every day. I don't use it. I resist it. Amen. You can't be wish-washy vacillating about sometimes it's not so bad and sometimes I wish you didn't have it. You know, I'm caught betwixt two. You've got to be fully persuaded that this is not a blessing. It's a curse. My body's supposed to work right. Amen. And you know, I have, uh, you know, I have enjoyed tremendous health for decades now. I mean, go, you know, go for long periods of time, not even an ache, not even a pain, nothing. Like tonight, just feel wonderful. Amen. To my knowledge, there's not one thing wrong with me. I'm thankful for that. I'm happy for that. But I've learned too, at the first indication of a problem, get on it, resist it. So no, you don't. Mm -mm, I'm not having this. And resist it with all your being. Now sometimes you have to stand. I know we uh, years ago. I was first year Raymond. And some friends and myself and some fellow students. We're going to Guatemala. To have a tent crusade. And we're going to build a church. And we did some things there. It was a great trip. And the first 
As soon as we got there, we were down in the interior. We were in the jungle part of the time and in Quetzaltenango part of the time. And um, they told us as soon as we got there, and they said, now, out here, don't drink the water. And, and don't eat anything unless we tell you it's okay. Because there was a bunch of stuff, you know, on the street, you know, don't mess with that. And some, and some things that might have been okay if you were local, but being from another place, your, your body's just not used to certain things. And, um, well, you know, habits can be challenging, though. I mean, you're, you're used to doing a certain thing. I was in the uh, uh, little bathroom getting ready, brushing my teeth with the water. Didn't think, didn't think a thing about it, cause at home you just wash your toothbrush off, you know. And I'm, I'm brushing my teeth, and my buddy hollered, he said, you're not using that water, are you? I said, woo. Uh. Well, by a day and a half later, half the group are sick. I mean sick. And I woke up that morning early, about daylight, and it felt like World War III was starting in my stomach and in my, and I knew what was going on. And I mean, 20 or 30 of them stayed in bed the day before. And I knew, here's where, you, where it's made or broken. If, if I get back in bed, are y'all listening to me now? If I give in to this, if I yield to this, I could be here the rest of the trip. I felt so, so, raggedy but I I said no laid my hands on myself I said in Jesus name every microbe every organism any amoeba anything that's not supposed to be in here I curse you command you to die right now you die you get out of my system immune system I speak to you be strong I'm strong I'm healed I'm whole I got up and I made myself get ready, and I made myself put one foot in front of the other. And I felt like 40 miles of muddy road the whole morning. But about noon, it all left me. Amen. And there were about, there were about 30 folks that were in the bed for two weeks. You know, well, no, it's the same thing. But the difference is in giving into it or resisting it. If it's your friend, if you're going to coddle it, it's going to stay with you. But if you'll resist it, resist the devil. And what does the scripture say? It'll leave. It'll flee. We've seen that kind of thing again and again and again. And I don't know why I told that story, but there it is. Romans 4, let me close with this. He considered not his own body, now dead when he's about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb did they talk. About their bodies, their feelings, about how Sarah couldn't conceive when she was 20. Did they talk about any of that? Can you talk the problem and be in faith? No, you cannot. And notice what it said. They didn't do that. They didn't consider that. Verse 20, he, Abraham, staggered not. He wavered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Giving glory to God and what? Being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Everybody say fully persuaded. What's almost persuaded? Well, that's not even worth talking about. But what about fully persuaded? Fully 
persuaded, that's what gets results. Amen? Or is the money going to come in to pay those bills? Are you sure? Are you fully persuaded? Are you still wavering about it and wondering, well, I hope it does. We just don't. You just never know. No. Fully persuaded. How about your body? Is your body, if there's something wrong, if there's been some symptoms there, is it changing? Is it going to change? Are you fully persuaded that health and wholeness is God's perfect will for your life? You have a right to stay here and live a long, full, productive life. Amen? How long is long? Huh? Uh, were they telling on the news just the other day about a man is 124 or 5? They got good records for it. I keep up with, so I got a whole file of stuff like this. Why? Because uh, I, I, the Lord dealt with me years ago that the full length of span is approximately 120 years. The Lord said that in Genesis 6, 3, the days of man shall be 120 years. Uh Now, if you don't believe that, that's fine. But I'll still be kicking maybe when you're already going on. (laughs) One reason I talk about this is because you need, we need to get our perspective right. 60 is halfway. Not done for. Not over the hill. 60 is half way. Middle age. See how you laughed about that? Where are the scriptures at, you see? See, people are, are, you know, they've been sold a bill of goods. They think, well, you know, 18, 25, that's a prime of life. Time you hit 40, it's all over. Ungodly, unscriptural thinking. Caleb and Joshua were warriors and took cities when they were 80. Moses climbed a mountain, unassisted. God had to tell him to die. He did. He said, all right, now it's time for you to die. He's 120. Climbed a mountain, looked at the promised land without binoculars. Bible said his natural force and strength had not abated. He hadn't dried out. He wasn't worn out. Now, he was older than 25, but he wasn't shot. Thank God he renews our youth and our strength like the eagles. But it happens for people that are fully, not not to wonder about it and think so, hope so, maybe so, we'll see. No, the fully persuaded souls. Those are the ones who see the results. Stand on your feet if you would. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.